I see many women in the tub end up on their knees in a, not in a full forward leaning position like hands and knees, but kneeling as the baby is exiting the pelvis. And that is because it's natural for the knees to be in and the feet, the feet to be out. Your body position during pregnancy is very vital. We are going to modify and train the body that's in front of us. It doesn't matter size, shape, you can still train anybody. And you know, so many of these are linked specifically to the fact that they were deprived of water, specifically to the fact that they were not allowed to eat, specifically to the fact that they were put on their spine. Those are interventions. So if we could remove all of those, the word on the street about childbirth wouldn't have been so negative, which wouldn't be feeding all the fear around giving birth. I'm Cynthia Overgaard, owner of Hypnobirthing of Connecticut, childbirth advocate, and postpartum support specialist. And I'm Trisha Ludwig, certified nurse midwife and international board-certified lactation consultant. And this is the Down to Birth podcast. Childbirth is something we're made to do. But how do we have our safest and most satisfying experience in today's medical culture? Let's dispel the myths and get down to birth. Hey, everyone. I'm Krisha. I am Serenia Life Doula. I have been a certified birth doula for eight years with Dona International. I have developed Train for Birth Workshop, and I love, love, love training expecting parents for their birthing game day at 34 plus weeks. I am so excited to be with you ladies today. Um, I really enjoyed my time with episode 105 when we talked about partners at birth. I very much enjoyed it, had a lot of fun. So I'm super excited that y'all have asked me back to do another podcast with y'all. We're so happy to have you back, Krisha. Thanks so much. Krisha, we think that you have a unique style of teaching women about how to have their best birth because so often we're hearing about positioning and labor, but it's mostly just around like, you know, being upright, not being on your back, making sure you're walking, and then all about baby's position and how to optimize that. But what you have to offer is this whole method of training your body in a way that is going to make you physically more capable of birthing your baby in the easiest and fastest way. So we got to know. Let's yeah. start off by talking about why this is so important because, you know, we've been doing this for millions of years. And if we do nothing, the baby is still going to grow and come out of us. Let's just start with why it is so incredibly beneficial to physically prepare your body your comparison is to a marathon, which I'm sure is a very daunting analogy to many people who have never run a marathon, yeah. but tell us what you mean by that when you say that. Well, I've been an athlete all my life. So all I know is to train for stuff, practice, practice, practice. And I am a firm believer. A woman's body is created to birth her baby and will stretch just enough to have her baby. Yes. We've been birthing babies for a really long time on this planet. I think in society, we've gotten really far away from that and discouraging moms that our bodies aren't created and they need some sort of medical intervention. I don't believe in that at all. Um, my philosophy is I'm going to train you like an athlete. And when the day you step up to that starting line to run your birthing marathon, you're going to be prepared physically and mentally. That's how athletes train. We train, we train, we practice, we practice to the day we step onto the court, the track or the field and do our sporting event. You can do the same thing for childbirth. You're going to work hard. 
you're going to burn a lot of calories. You're going to sweat. You're going to cry. You're going to bleed. You're going to be utterly exhausted. And you still have to cross that finish line to get your biggest reward. It's compared just like to a sporting event. So over the last few years, when I went out of hospital, I started really watching how moms labor, what positions are they getting into? What movements are they doing? Are they lifting their leg? Are they getting on their toes? What are they doing? Lifting on their belly. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I can train expecting moms how to do this, how to build that endurance and that stamina to run their birthing marathon. So that's how train for birth was born And it's all about practice. 34 plus weeks is what I recommend. We have a baby bump. We get to figure out, you know, how our body moves with that bump and pay attention to what our body's doing because your body is going to guide you through labor. And we're going to flow power to your body in this birthing process you're born with and run your marathon. So it actually makes it one, you're prepared physically. Two, you're going to be prepared mentally because you're going to step up to the starting line of your birthing game day with confidence and know that you can do this. So this is really interesting because here we are on a call talking to a performance athlete about how to train for birth and treat it like a competition. And like the day you show up, it's like you're, you're there, you know, bringing your best self to it and the, you, the labor begins and you're at the starting line and you kind of like give it all your gumption and you've been training for it. And then we also have hypnobirth. We're here with a hypnobirth instructor where we're talking about like how we completely settle into our body and release tension and relax into the process. So I find this an interesting juxtaposition. How do we, how do we use both of those things? What does that, what does that look like? So tell us more. Um, It's more of the mentality way of training for an athlete because you get in your zone, you put like your blinders on and you get in your mental zone and you play, right? Because you practice. So when you practice, practice, your body just does. It's so it's still about the mindset. This is interesting because they're they're each about mindset and focus, but in different ways. Cynthia, do you have any... Any other thoughts on that? Yeah, no, it never even occurred to me that it was remotely contradictory to hypnobirthing. To me, it's perfectly congruent with hypnobirthing. It's funny that it took an outsider to both to see that. Um, Hypnobirthing is about visualization. It's about breath and it's about focus. So even if you are doing an exercise, you know, if you're, it's kind of like, you know, if I'm holding tree pose in yoga or in the years I was learning how to do that, I would sometimes visualize my leg turning into um, a cement pillar. So there's always visualization, no matter how active you are, and there's always breath, but focus is really the key. And it's the one in hypnobirthing that gets ignored because it is the hardest of the three focus is the hardest. When you focus, that's really where your power is. And I think it's perfectly congruent with the stuff that Krisha teaches. It's it's, I'm so glad you asked that question because people must be asking that there are a lot of misconceptions about hypnobirthing where you have to zone out and, (laughs) you know, just, just go with the flow. Yeah. It, no, that's all just, no, that's, know. it's perfectly congruent with actually every approach because it's, it's the mental work and the breath and the physiology. It all goes together. It's that 80, 20% fit burst, 20% physical. I rely heavily on that 20% physical and really train. It's the 80% mental that we hear on 
why we can't do it. Oh my gosh, you're nuts for thinking about having a natural birth or a home birth or any of those. It's the mental part we hear from society and how we're conditioned that, oh, just go to the hospital, get your drugs and have a baby. Well, not every, that's not for everyone. Let me ask you a quick question. You mentioned 34 plus weeks. Were you actually indicating that they cannot do this training up until 34 weeks and then they can work really, really hard in the last couple of months? Or what were you saying about 34 weeks? I encourage exercise through the entire pregnancy, but 34 to 36 weeks, I work a lot with first time moms. That's when they realize, oh my gosh, this is getting real. I need to prepare. And when you do something daily, routine daily, um, over and over and over again, if the runway is too long, you're going to quit. So the runway is a lot shorter and the likelihood of moms continuing the program until they meet their baby is higher because they'll do it. And this isn't something like super taxing and I'm going to you know, make you run 10 miles. And no, this is like fine tuning, going through the exercises, listening to your body, doing the stretches and just repeating that stuff. Tell us what it looks like to train for birth. What's where do you start? What's the first thing? I have goals. Everyone has a goal. So we have goals listed for the birthing workshop. And we also go over like pregame warm up. What is your body going to do in this last month of pregnancy to like prepare and get ready to have a baby? I start with ice and I can watch, but when I suggest it, Hey, we're going to hold a piece of ice to create a little bit discomfort. I'm either going to get, Oh, uh, uh-uh. because it's cold. They already know mentally it's cold and it's going to burn their hand. So I'm like, well, you react to holding a piece of ice. How do you think you're going to react to a contraction? So we work on the mental focus and it's multitasking, breathing, movement. What are you going to do with your mind to cope through the contraction? You can't quit a contraction. You've got to cope and find what's going to work for you to get to the other side. So we start with ice. So what are we talking about? Like how often are we holding ice in the palm of our hand? My midwife actually made me do this when I was pregnant for the first time. It was not fun. Um, but I did it, but like how many times a day, how long? So we do one minute in one hand, three to four minute break minute and a half in the other hand. So it's about a six and a half minute drill, um, to mimic a contraction pattern. I'm lucky to get six and a half minutes out of somebody once a day because of life and how fast, you know, society is. So at least once I encourage as much as possible or your willingness to do so when you can pick up a piece of ice and do it up to two minutes and you're like, oh, this is a piece of cake. I got this. Then we up the ante and we do wall sits. Let's start with, let me say something about the ice because I've heard that before. And I, um, I've had clients say they really like that. Or in prenatal yoga classes, sometimes the instructors have them hold out their arms and wave their arms in place for a long time until they're burning, which is extremely uncomfortable. I just want to, um, tell anyone listening who wants to try this at home, that what you're going for is to breathe throughout it and to have a relaxed face throughout it, to muscle through and be like, Oh my God, it's so cold. It's so cold. cold. How many seconds left? You can do that, but that isn't preparing you for birth in the way that will serve you so well. If you can end up holding that ice calmly or holding, you're about to talk about wall sits, which is going to be another really good example. If you can do what you do calmly with a relaxed face and physiology, that's what yoga is all about. More than hypnobirthing. I say hypnobirthing is exactly like yoga. That's what yoga is about. Regardless of what you feel, despite what you feel, can you keep a deep breath, a relaxed face and a, and a focused mind? So I just wanted to explain the details on that. Cause I think it is a powerful technique, but I want everyone to know if you really want to do this effectively, keep your face relaxed and calm throughout it. <laughs> How about that? 
Let's talk about wall sits. I totally agree. And it's the multitask through the discomfort as well. So wall sits kind of ups the ante, you know, holding a piece of ice does not feel like a contraction by any means, but that's more mental. It's the people knowing it's cold and it's going to burn. A wall sit fires a muscle, just like your, your uterus is a muscle and it's going to fire with that contraction. They start getting more intense, closer together. You're going to have some level of discomfort. So with a wall sit, you go nine. I encourage 90, 90. I know some moms have knee issues. You won't go quite as low because we do want to practice safety, but 90, 90 is getting down there in the knees and the hips, 90 degrees in the knees and 90 degrees between the wall and the thigh muscle. What's 90, 90, the hips, 90 hips are at 90 and the knees are at 90. Yes. So it's like if you're sitting in a chair and the chair is just not there. Yep. Okay. Press the lower back into the wall. It causes the quad to burn more and takes the pressure off the knees, but it's also prepping the pelvis for delivery. How so? Neutral pelvis. Tell us more about that. When we are pregnant, we have a tendency to go to an anterior tilt, which means the belly goes further out. We get a sway in the back because of the weight of the baby and our muscles start to get tired trying to hold the baby up. So we want to practice tilting the pelvic pelvis backwards to strengthen those muscles. So we don't get the baby too far out over the pelvis. So it makes it easier at birth to have a baby and not have to pull the baby back into the pelvis to be born. Hey there, all you amazing, strong and beautiful women, especially you new moms and moms to be. I'm Taylor, co-founder and CEO of Vitality. And I'm Taylor's sister, Chloe, co-founder and chief design officer. We started Vitality to encourage and empower everyone to live a vibrant life. We're all about supporting women, especially on the journey to motherhood. When I was pregnant, I really struggled to find comfy leggings that I could wear all day, every day. So we set out to make the best maternity pants out there. We took those pain points and designed pieces that were supportive and comfortable, including details like a high-rise fit, underbelly seam, raw cut hems, and to top it off, we have an embedded silicone panel that acts like a built-in suspension system for your low back, which is the first of its kind. So we designed this line in our Marshmallow Soft Cloud 2 fabric in not only a maternity pant, but a volley and biker short as well. Let me tell you, all of these pieces are a game changer. Just go to shopvitality.com and cherry on top, you guys can use code down to birth at checkout to get 10% off your order. 10% off athleisure designed for pregnancy during pregnancy. Down to birth is sponsored by Postpartum Soothe. Recovering from a vaginal birth takes many women by surprise. Everyday activities like sitting, walking, and going to the bathroom can be uncomfortable. And Postpartum Soothe is just the remedy to support your healing and relieve discomfort. Postpartum Soothe is a 100% organic herbal blend that's applied to maternity pads in the days immediately following your birth, giving you all the benefits of a sitz bath 24-7. That's because herbs like comfrey leaf, uva ursi, and witch hazel are known for their antimicrobial and anti-inflammatory properties. Postpartum Soothe can be prepared anytime during the third trimester, and it makes a beautiful baby gift. It's a must for any woman seeking a faster, easier recovery from a vaginal birth. Visit postpartumsoothe.com. That's postpartumsoothe, 
S-O-O-T-H-E dot com and use promo code down to birth. Did you know that 97% of women take a prenatal vitamin yet 95% of us are still deficient in key nutrients for pregnancy and postpartum? After a long time searching for the optimal prenatal nutrition product, we bring you Needed, a radically better prenatal vitamin. Needed's nutritional products offer nutrients that your body can utilize with doses at optimal versus bare minimum levels and are available in capsules and an easy-to-take vanilla powder, perfect for those moms with pill fatigue or nausea. Needed is a woman-founded company offering a superior nutritional product lineup backed by research, data, and insights from nearly 4,000 women's health experts. Needed offers premium supplements for every stage, from egg quality support for women trying to conceive to lactation support for breastfeeding. And you know, Cynthia and I, we love their botanical sleep and relaxation support packets before bedtime. So if you are looking for a radically different prenatal, head on over to thisisneeded.com and enter down to birth for 20% off your first order. How many wall sets are we looking at for how long? Are are we holding the ice at the same time? (laughs) It depends on whether you do wall sits regularly. There's some women that have never had done a wall sit in their life. So it's second. So if they've never done it or doing it for the first time, they should shoot for 15 seconds because your body will start to burn in the quads. And then you're going to start to shake just like intense contractions. So we work on breathing. And we work on mental focus through a wall sit movement you can't do, but you can work on those two things. I encourage to work up to a minute and a half wall sit because transitional contractions will last up to a minute and a half, but it's really breathing, not trying to tense your shoulders up, clench your face, you know, clench your butt cheeks, trying to tighten some other muscle to compensate because your quads are burning. So we work on letting go low and loose, breathing through it. And what are we going to do with our mind? It's different for each person. So I let each individual figure out what works best for them. Once a day, at least most will probably do two or three times a day, but it's the more you do it, the faster you're going to build and the more confident you're going to get quicker. We're also building our sexy birth and legs to hold our bodies upright, holding our bodies upright using gravity, which it's our legs, you'll be strong enough and have the endurance and stamina in your legs to be able to hold your body upright in birth. So it's twofold exercise. So these are your, are these are your top two techniques for mental training? Is there anything else in the mental training department that we need to touch on before we go into the physical work? I have four tips that I encourage in my workshop to really work on and focus on as you train through my program. Uh, One is water, hydration, your uterus is a muscle. It's going to contract. It's going to need a lot of water and it's not talked about very much, but being an athlete and know how quickly an athlete, how much we sweat and how much, uh, the body needs all laboring moms need water, like over hydration type of thing in labor. And I leave that up to the partners to help remind her to drink enough water and stay on top of that. It's also important regarding water to be hydrated in the weeks leading up to labor. Absolutely. You really have to be hydrated before labor begins. You have to already be hydrated. You must have been extremely frustrated to see how many American hospitals are telling women they can chew on ice chips rather than just drink water. 
Yeah. Which and is not that too. Lack of water, lack of food and labor will cause labor stalls. Your body is nothing to burn and operate. You have to have water and food and labor. It's linked to fetal distress and prolonged labor, the two top reasons for C-section. So it's, it's absolutely a shame. It's not evidence-based. It's old school rooted in the days of general anesthesia for birth. They need to get with the program, change things. And, you know, it, it's, this is the policy and the policy means nothing. So for anyone listening who is birthing in a hospital, you can sit there and chug leader after leader after leader right in front of them. And it does not matter. It's your body. You are a human being. You need water. I tell all my expecting athletes that they need to uh, pack their own food bag and water bag and take it with them. Absolutely. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) imagine, would you ever go to work out without your water? Would you ever run a marathon? Without, well, not even running a marathon. Would you even just like go to the gym for an hour without your water bottle? No. Yeah. Look at marathon runners. They do water and food on the way. Mm -hmm. And when I played D1 volleyball, we always had food because you'd be out in the court for three hours, burning it and burning it. You're going to get hungry because you're going to start going downward because you're out of energy. You got to supply it. You got to put it back. I I think about all the women through the past few decades who told other women childbirth is horrible, painful, brutal. And you know, so many of these are linked specifically to the fact that they were deprived of water, specifically to the fact that they were not allowed to eat, specifically to the fact that they were put on their spine to give birth, reclined, sometimes with feet up. If we could remove all of those, unnat- those are interventions. Those are interventions. And nature never expected any of those criteria to be in place when you were giving birth. So if we could remove all of those, the word on the street about childbirth wouldn't have been so negative, which wouldn't be feeding all the fear around giving birth, which is what most women feel as soon as they realize they're pregnant. Like, oh my gosh, this is really going to happen. That fear is because of everyone else's negative experience, which wasn't nature's way of birthing. So it's just like a perfect storm and it's a shame. It is. And that's the 80% that we're struggling with. So what were the other three on your list? So number two is breathing. You've got to practice your breathing in pregnancy. Don't expect to run your marathon and not be able to breathe. When athletes train, we train ourselves how to breathe and continue to breathe. You still have to supply good oxygen for your body to function right. You still have to supply oxygen for your baby that's in utero. So practice breathing. I am finding more and more women are using breathing as the coping mechanism to get to the other side of the contraction. That's how important it is. So remember, your body's going to work hard. You're going to burn a lot of calories. So that means your cardiovascular system and your respiratory system are going to work hard breathing. You've got to control your breathing. So we practice that in pregnancy to prepare for birthing game day as well. Tell us about it. Tell us about what practicing breathing looks like. I mean, obviously we take many, 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 many thousands of breaths per day, Mm -hmm. but breathing, as you said, not just in childbirth, but in life, how we breathe is intricately linked to our overall health and performance in everything we do. So what does it look like in pregnancy? How should people be breathing? Yes. Most of us day to day are kind of like lazy bleed breathers. We breathe with our chest and our shoulders up like this. So in pregnancy and giving birth is I teach diaphragmic breathing. There is so many different types of breathing techniques. I encourage moms to kind of explore and practice and figure what would work best for them. 
So with diaphragmic breathing, we inhale through our nose. And then when we inhale, we press everything down and out. So the expansion through the torso, we have our pelvic floor drop. And on the exhale, we let everything recoil on its own. And that's what I teach 34 plus weeks. A lot of moms can't feel their pelvic floor drop, or they don't know what it feels like sitting on a ball or the couch or something like that. So I encourage them to practice on the toilet. The toilet is where we our pelvis opens 30% more. We also have our pelvic floor drop naturally. So when they sit down, the umpteen times are going to go to the bathroom. There's a great, that's a great time to get a couple breaths multiple times a day. And oh my gosh, your breathing is done for the day. And a very simple nuance to breathing that is so important to how you breathe is to make sure that you're breathing in through your nose and not through your mouth. So in inhaling nose. So we have an open mouth, open jaw open vagina. Three is movement. Our bodies are created to move from the time of conception and all the cells we move, move, move. So to help wiggle the baby through the pelvis, if mom is being moving, changing positions, it's going to wiggle baby down and labor is going to progress and keep going. So we work on movement through the contractions. It's a coping mechanism as well. And, um, it also, takes the edge off versus just being tight, tense and not moving, which causes the intensity and discomfort to be greater. And this is something moms have utter control over. Actually, they have utter control over all four of these things so they can take the edge off and make the experience better for them just by doing all these four things. But movement is a comfort measure. Once they try it, they're going to realize, oh, wait, this feels better than being tight and tense. So um, I don't know if you've heard of Elena Trinity Vladimirova, but she's the creator of the Birth As We Know It movie, which is a documentary with all the water births in the Black Sea. Really spectacular, (laughs) spectacular documentary. Um, I showed it to clients for many years. And she has a whole segment in that one hour documentary on what she calls spiraling, pelvic spiraling. And she being very spiritual as she is. She says it's the movement of the universe itself. Everything is spiraling. Everything is moving in a vortex. And when we're in labor, that's exactly the motion, the spiraling motion that helps the baby to descend optimally. So it's satisfying to hear that it's one of your top tips, even though you probably weren't influenced by her work at all, but you came to it on your own, right? I was not. I realized when I started really observing and paying attention to mom's bodies laboring is there's a definite rhythm through the birthing process, front to back, side to side, front to back. And as a doula, I don't do vaginal checks and I have no idea what dilation is. I think dilation is very overrated and moms are way too stressed on it. It's a fear factor that's being put into them, Totally. but our bodies will move through labor in a certain pattern and tell us where the baby's located based on what her movement is. So if you can get mom to move and continue moving, You'll also, I train partners to know where the baby is based on what her body's doing. So some don't have doulas. Some are want to labor at home as long as possible for changing environment. So it gives them a tool to use and be an active participant in the birthing experience as well. When they're aware of, oh, look at that. Her hips are side to side. I know my baby's in the mid pelvis. (laughs) I think this is one of the important reasons that out of hospital birth tends to have higher success rates for vaginal birth because women are able to move freely. When you are in a hospital, sure, you can move around your eight by 12 room, 
but that doesn't give you a lot of space. And the the natural inclination is just to end up in the bed, which is obviously restricting your movement. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And number four is gravity. Keep your body upright. The exercises and train for birth workshop really build the legs and work on keeping your body upright. Uh, I also do a lot of hands and knees exercises because towards the end of labor transition, pushing a lot of moms are bent over using their arms to hold their body up and their arms are, I mean, the muscles on our arms are kind of puny. They're not built to hold a lot of pressure over a great period of time. And if you don't train your arms to hold your body up daily, it's going to be much harder. So I build endurance and stamina in the arms as well for that gravity. So gravity keeping upright as much as possible also really helps with the birthing process and helps the baby navigate the pathway as well. What kind of exercises are we doing to strengthen our arms in pregnancy? I will give you a simple one that I get everybody kind of their eyes get kind of big when I tell them, but getting on your hands and knees and crawling around on your floor up to 10 minutes at a time, three times a day. The knees would hurt. Carpet. Get you some good yoga mats. Get you some knee pads. No excuses. Get to crawling because it also helps with baby optimal position. That's what I was going to say. It's also super good for rotating your baby. I had that excuse so ready. I know. Well, I, hear <laughs> I can't even imagine. I hear it I all. You do. Yeah. But the knees. Go yeah. outside in the grass. Crawl yeah, in the right. grass. Right, right. Right. I tell my uh, clients and students, I'm like, you may not love me in the moment, but you'll love me later. <laughs> So you have women crawling 10, three times a day for 10 minutes. Yeah. Wow. And I know life happens. Something's going to get missed or whatever, but I encourage it because you really, you need to build the the stamina in the wrist, the shoulders and your knees, because what positions are you seeing women mostly birth babies in? Hands and knees is a common one. Hands and knees is very common more than you would think. I was going to ask you, do you have a favorite go-to position for birth? If the client isn't feeling anyone calling to her? I mean, I I really believe that there's a lot of communication between the baby and the mother in labor. And in the case of a natural birth, that communication, that communication is very powerful and she can just listen to it. She can know when she has to turn over and when she has to create space but in the case of a natural birth, do you ever have a client who, and Trisha, you too, I mean, have you ever had clients who said, what should I do? What position should I go in? And if so, what's your go-to? I'm always thinking hands and knees, but I'm very biased because it's only a matter of my own births. What is the, and I also read the book active birth, which also seemed very inclined to recommend hands and knees above all, but what do you, what's your experience on that? Both of you. Most of my clients go hands and knees naturally. I think it gravity help they can movement the sacrum can move freely they can change positions um the platforms are stacked for pushing diaphragm over pelvic floor it's greater force it's literally physics um and if they if they should ask me i'm like well let's try hands and knees they're like okay and then they try it and it's fine and then if we need to alter or change positions based on what mom's body's cueing then we will but it is rare very rare that I have someone be like, Oh, my back is good. But sometimes depending on baby's position, being on your back could be the best position, but it's very rare. There are no black and whites. I've learned that a long time ago. There are no absolutes. As soon as you think, you know, one thing doesn't work for, you know, as soon as you think this doesn't work, there's someone who comes along and says that worked really perfectly for me. And it's, it's an ever humbling process. And we've, you know, I learned years ago, there are no absolutes in this. Trisha, what about you? 
Yeah, I'm actually always surprised. I think I've said this before on the podcast. I'm yeah. surprised how many women actually do end up birthing on their backs. Not reclined at, though, because re, reclined works. That opens the sacrum. Yes, sometimes literally on on their backs. And I think it has a lot to do with just where they are energy wise and they want to get into their bed and they naturally kind of just move into that position. But as far as if somebody isn't sure what position to be in, what I recommend, um, it really depends on where, what stage they're in in labor and what their energy level is like. If we're in a long, late, um, you know, if we're in like the transitional stage of labor between eight and 10, where they are kind of tired, then I might do sideline position. If they are actively pushing, we'll try squat position or hands and knees. Um, it, it really just depends on what they're feeling like and what we haven't tried already and what feels good. We try one thing. If it doesn't work, we try another thing. They know very quickly if something doesn't feel right. And let's talk a little bit about the importance of a free sacrum. Krisha, do you want to talk about that? Why the sacrum has to be free and clear and what benefits come when we allow that? I really focus on making sure the sacrum is mobile when it comes time to birth we are in a society, society, especially over the last couple of years, that is very sedentary. We sit, we recline back because we're told to lay back, you're pregnant, kick your feet up. And then what's happened over the last couple of years hasn't helped any. And we slouch when we sit. Most of yes. us don't sit with a tall posture. And that's so important, even exactly. if we are sitting. Your body position during pregnancy is very vital. Your body is the carrier and pathway for the baby to navigate. And if you're putting your body in different positions, your baby is going to grow in the available space, which leads to more malpositioned babies and possibly a longer labor. So if you can be sitting upright on your sit bones with a neutral pelvis, I know it's, oh, oh my gosh, it's so hard to think about. Um, you're providing the baby the correct space where babies actually should grow or spending a little bit more time standing up. Our bodies are erect. We're supposed to be stand up and mobile. So the sacrum is the movable part of the whole pelvis. Yes, the pubic bone will expand outward, but you have much more bone all the way across. There's not much movement there. So I really rely on that sacrum to move and shift and adjusting the legs to help either close off or open the pelvis, the top or bottom, depending on where baby is. And when that baby's ready to come out, the sacrum will lift and pull the tailbone out of the way. And even when the baby enters the pelvis, the sacrum has a tendency to dip inward to pull the, the spinal promenade out of the way to create more space. So when moms are trying to get baby into the pelvis, we have a tendency to do more knee wide exercises because it opens the top of the pelvis. And we have a tendency to want to tuck our pubic bone upward because it pulls the spinal promenade out of the way. When baby's trying to leave the exit, the moms will arc their backs a little bit more, but then their knees come closer together and their ankles rotate out. So it opens the bottom of the pelvis. So these positions and training help make sure that sacrum is very, very movable when it comes time to birth your baby. I see many women in the tub end up on their knees in a, not in a, full forward leaning position, like hands and knees, but kneeling as the baby is exiting the pelvis. And that is because it's natural for the knees to be in and the feet, the feet to be out. Yeah. And if you watch laboring moms, they'll try to pull their knees in 
when the baby tries to exit. And then that's why you hear, especially in a hospital setting, keep your knees wide, keep your knees wide. Why? She's trying to communicate her knees need to come in. Keep your knees wide so I can continue to see. That's why. Yeah. It's, it's totally for the provider. It has nothing to do with mom and baby (laughs) and the baby's being squished through those, you know, those sit bones, that tight squeeze. I was just wondering, um, I'm trying to hear this from a first time pregnant woman who doesn't believe in her own athletic ability. And do you see that strength builds up quickly in the final weeks when they are pretty committed to these exercises? I imagine that they do, but do you really see that? Or are women ever surprised at how fit they feel after a few weeks? I do see that. And it's the repetition of the training of the muscle every single day to be like, this is where I need you. I need you to stay here. Now let's get stronger. Let's tone. And the more repetition you do, it'll stay. If you go more than three days without exercising that muscle, then the muscle will start to go back to where it was. So being active is important. Now my workshop could be for someone who's never worked out a day in their life to an elite athlete. Like I said before, it can be someone who's never gained weight or someone who's gained 60 pounds, we are going to modify and train the body that's in front of us. It doesn't matter size, shape, ethnicity. It doesn't matter. You can still train any body that knows the innate birthing process within. And it's just flowing power to that process and then building the confidence in that mom within her to know, yes, she can. Thanks for joining us at the Down to Birth Show. You can reach us at Down to Birth Show on Instagram or email us at contact at downtobirthshow.com. All of Cynthia's classes and Trisha's breastfeeding services are held live, online, serving women and couples everywhere. Please remember this information is made available to you for educational and informational purposes only. It is in no way a substitute for medical advice. For our full disclaimer, visit downtobirthshow.com slash disclaimer. Thanks for tuning in, and as always, hear everyone and listen to yourself. I got, I, I believe, I utterly believe 100% every single woman can have, have a baby. Like, it's like, I believe in the process so much, but we find ourselves handling the 80% and the fear driven about childbirth. It's the conditioning we receive in society about you can't, there's no way your body's never going to go on labor. Mm-mm. No, you truly believe every single woman can. Oh yeah. We're and it's innately within us. Now things happen. We don't live in a perfect world. I understand that, but it's in our DNA.